Welcome to the Boldly Going Podcast. I am your host, Jason Sowell. I'm excited to bring you episode number one today with our friend Joel Davis. Uh, Boldly Going, what we like to say is we're talking to and talking about creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth. And uh, we live in a beautiful world. There are some incredible people on this planet doing incredible things. And, uh, you know, we want you, to, we want you to be inspired. We want you to listen to this podcast and be inspired and uh, understand that you, as a, as a person, at whether you consider yourself regular every day, you consider yourself spectacular, whatever you consider yourself, that you can boldly go and you can do uh, something in your world uh, to, to better it, to better your life. And uh, we want you to hear some inspirational stories and hear from people that are doing uh, great things themselves. So episode one here today with my friend Joel Davis. Uh, Joel Davis, maybe you recognize his name, maybe you don't. Uh, but Joel is, uh, for a long time, has been the lead singer of a band called Ascend the Hill. Ascend the Hill. And uh, a great band. You should check them out. Also, he is the founder of uh, Commune & Co., which is a great coffee company uh, local to the Tampa Bay area. Um, doing incredible things. We'll talk about that a little bit in the podcast. Uh, he also is the pastor of Mainstay in Ybor City, a uh, great little house church that he uh, runs and a uh, cool little community. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, he's also got a, a solo uh, music project called Fistful, which is also great. And uh, he and his wife have uh, recently started a thing uh, that they're part of called Be Home Base that we touch on a little bit as well. Joel is uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. Literally is one of the one of the best dudes you'll ever know. Uh, he is one of those guys that whatever he does uh, is amazing. He puts his hands to it. He decides he's going to do it, and it's incredible. It's a success. He does uh, great things. So uh, I'm excited for you to hear uh, the conversation we have. Kind of goes a little bit all over the place. We start out talking about. Uh, those things, but you know, we end up talking about some uh, just fun other stuff, just about life in general. And uh, these podcasts, these conversations are exactly that. They're just uh, raw conversations with people uh, that are creative and brilliant, inspirational, and they're uh, in their in their own way. And uh, I want you to hear those stories. So I'm excited for you to hear from Joel Davis today. Uh, before we jump into the episode, a couple things I'd love for you to check out. Uh, first of all, we are a part of the. Uh, the State Lines Podcast Network, and uh, they're great people. State Lines is a great uh, website and network of uh, podcasts and online articles that really, really fun. Uh, some of that's pop culture. Some of it is uh, sports-related. Some of it's just uh, life in general. Uh, it's kind of all over the place. Great stuff. There's some amazing podcasts over there, so definitely go and check out some of those other podcasts on the network, uh, people that are much smarter than I uh, doing great things with their podcast, so please go check them out. Uh, also, read the articles there on State Lines. Um, uh, just some great writing going on there as well. So we're excited to be a part of the State Lines Network at state-lines.com, state-lines.com, so you can go check them out there. Uh, the other thing I'd love for you to check out is uh, my organization that I founded uh, eight years ago called Current Initiatives. We do some fun um, uh, I think they're great things, uh, projects in the community, the Laundry Project, the Affordable Christmas, the Hope for Homes Project, um, just a, a kind of a, a network of boldly going people uh, trying to better their community uh, and uh, just make life meaningful for some people that, are, that have lost hope. So uh, please go check that out, engagecurrent.org, and uh, get involved. We'd love for you to volunteer, uh, sponsor projects, uh, donate, 
anything like that, please go check that out. Uh, another thing is a company I have uh, that's a fun side project for me called By The Way Clothing. Uh, we just make some some stupid t-shirts uh, that are just fun to wear, cool designs, and uh, they all have a message of By The Way. So uh, recently, uh, we came out with one called uh, By The Way, I'm Tampa Bay, and it lists our, our some local sports teams. So if you live here in the Tampa Bay and you would uh, in the Tampa Bay area and you would love to support something local, go check that out, bythewayclothing.com. Pick up one of those shirts. Uh, we have another one called By The Way, uh, I Benefit Charity, which is the fun shirt. If you love charity, you love to help the community, and it's a fun way to show it. So please go check that out. So state-lines.com, uh, engagecurrent.org, and bythewayclothing.com. Go check those out. Now, let's get to Joel Davis. Great conversation, incredible person. And I'm excited for you to hear from him. Here we go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Can you hear me all right? If I'm leaning back like this? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. So, all right. Welcome to the uh, Boldly Going podcast. Uh, we call it boldly going, creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe living on planet Earth, which there's really not another planet for them to live on, but I think there's probably out there somewhere. Could be. Could be. So we'll just deal with the ones that are on planet Earth right now. Depends on who you're asking. Yeah, good point. Good point. So we're here today with Joel Davis. Uh, there's a thousand things we could say about Joel Davis. So, uh, by way of introduction, uh, you're most famous for Ascend the Hill, the lead so, singer. So famous. So famous. Me. Worldwide. <laughs> Australia. You're, you're big in Singapore, right? I don't know. Never been. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, lead singer of Ascend the Hill, uh, founder and owner of Commune & Co., which we'll talk about a little bit, a great coffee company. And then uh, also the pastor of Mainstay, Ybor, which is a uh, church here in Ybor City, uh, which is actually where we both live. We live here in Ybor City, um, representing the hood. What, what? So um, thanks for being on the podcast, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Excited to uh, chat with you a little bit. So um, I guess give, uh, give us a... Give us kind of an overview of all. I mean, what what you're most excited about right now of those things that you're doing, or you're probably excited about all of them. Um, first of all, it's in the hill. I don't even know if it's still truly in existence or what. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine at this point. <laughs> we all still love making music. We all still love making music together. Um, I guess about a year and a half ago. Well, a couple of years ago, we started talking about um, my dream of launching a coffee company here in Tampa. <clears throat> and so the plan was we were going to take a year off, seven months to a year off from touring and doing the full-time music thing in order for me to be able to focus on launching and building and growing a coffee company. And um, I guess about a year into the process everyone kind of looked at each other and was like do we have to go back on the road <laughs> um turned out we actually like being home a lot and having normal lives and right. relationship and community and 
beds of our own and things like that. So um, Sleeping in a van is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's tons of fun, dude. <laughs> um, so Ascend the Hill has just kind of been on a weird hiatus ever since. Um, we did play one show last year that was lots of fun um, in Jacksonville. Um, I think there's potential that we could make another record. There's also potential that we could say that was fun and never do anything again. Right. So we just really haven't discussed it. We're all just really enjoying being home and doing our businesses and living life and enjoying it and all that kind of stuff. And so the things I'm most, I'm still really passionate and excited about music um, in general. Um, all the guys are for that matter. Um, <clears throat> most of us are still playing very consistently through other avenues, whether it's churches um, or the multi uh, side projects, which have now become main projects um, over the last year. So playing, I, I still am very excited about music. I have a, a project called Fistful and I play a lot of the bars and dives and venues and places that honestly I feel more comfortable doing art than in church a lot of times if I'm honest but yeah that's really exciting to me I love doing that still an opportunity to engage with my community in a way that is very natural to me um coffee is a very exciting part of my life the business is growing we're enjoying it um <laughs> by the way if you can hear in the background some snorting it's, it's Joel's uh, new puppy yeah bud <laughs> he just woke up from a nap and he is amped. <laughs> he, is. he just got fed. He sounds like a pig. <laughs> he does. It's amazing. So yeah, the music is still super exciting. The coffee business is growing and occupying 95% of my time. Okay. Um, I say that conservatively. It's probably consuming 110% of my time. Right, right. And then I find, you know, the other um, time that I don't have to do all the other stuff that I love or whatever. Um, the thing that comes most naturally to me and that, I, that I've always enjoyed and I'm extra enjoying right now is the church community mainstay. Um, doing community and doing life and ministry in the context of living room and family in launching mainstay in this last year as a house church has been really cool. Um, honestly, don't know what the future holds for that, just kind of trying to allow the Lord to direct us how he pleases, but really enjoying church in a living room and, and whatnot. It is obvious that we've, we're kind of outgrowing a living room, mm -hmm. and the kind of feel is that it doesn't need to be kept a secret anymore because it's hard to find and, and get involved with, <clears throat> with how secluded our building is, you know? Right. But um, it's all new, man. It's all new and exciting and stressful and messy and expensive and taxing and emotional but i'm really really loving the space of our lives and the way yeah. things are going right now so i mean those are those have always been three big parts of my life ministry music coffee and a lot of them have coexisted for a long time and it just seems like in different seasons of life different things take more of the main role so yeah coffee's definitely taking up most of the main role right now so uh a couple things. First of all, you you're married, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> he's going nuts. He likes to bite everything. He's at that stage. Yeah. 
chew on whatever I can get my mouth on. Um, so you're married. You've been. Were you married the whole time in Ascend the Hill? Yes. So when we got married, I was actually a worship pastor at a church out in the suburbs. Oh, okay. Uh, Brandon. Um, I did that for six and a half years. About halfway through that, we got married. 2006, we got engaged, and we got married in June of 2007. Um, at, at the end of 2006, we bought our house together, our condo here in Ybor, and she moved in after we got married in 2007 the next year. And then I think Ascend the Hill didn't hit the road until... Uh, the end of 2008, but we weren't even really a band at that point. I had got booked to do some worship events and booked some shows to help pay for it, and I just took whatever friends were available. Mm-hmm. That was kind of how music existed for me back then, as far as like playing out was concerned. It was okay. just like I've, I'd been writing these songs for the church, and if we'd get booked, I'd just find whatever friends were available to go and play and hang and take them. So that's how the first two tours were in late 2008 and early 2009. Um, and then kind of turned into a thing, a band. And then we started looking for a band name and all that stuff. But, okay. So we had been married a year and a half, coming up on two years when um, Ascend the Hill launched. And it was just after our two-year anniversary that I quit my job as a worship pastor and we hit the road full-time. Okay. In, in late 2009. So middle, middle to summer to fall in 2009. Okay. So... Um, reason I ask you that, because I want you to talk a little bit about that, um, because, so this podcast is all about people doing what, what I consider, um, creative, brilliant, inspirational things that are boldly going step, like, you know, getting out of their comfort zone, doing something that they're passionate about, that they love or whatever. Most of my life, uh, in some of the things that I've done, people would tell me, well, when you get married, you won't be able to do those same kind of, you won't be able to make those same kind <laughs> yeah, of decisions. Yeah. You won't yeah. be able to just go do the thing that you love passionately yeah. and all that. So, um, which I don't know that I buy, I buy, yeah. I, I'm not married, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but clearly <clears throat> in your life up to this point, you have the thing that, the things that you're most passionate about, you've in some way made them a career or mm-hmm. kind of a career or just doing them. And I'm fascinated by how that has played out. Um, for you with your marriage and, and how Amy is with yeah. that, if she's encouraging with that and all of that. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen, I've seen it both ways. You know, I've seen friends who their lifelong dream and desire was to, to do what we ended up doing, which was like touring and playing music and quasi earning a living from it. Although, Amy was pretty much a sugar mama for several years okay. too, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is awesome. Right. Um, but I, I saw many friends who their dream was to do that thing who didn't get the opportunity to because they're, uh, it's harsh to say just because their wives weren't into it, but the trajectory trajectory of their lives, especially considering, you know, their lifelong partners and stuff. It just wasn't in the cards. Right. So I don't think it'd be fair to put that on the women they married. Sure. I think that's kind of a cop-out. Um, but I think it's just at some point you make a decision what your priorities are or what you feel like you're willing to take risks on. And then at the end of the day, man, I feel like, and this is not me just blowing smoke, like I feel like 
I married the most amazing woman on the face of the planet. Yeah. Who, <clears throat> less than two years into our marriage, and both of us having you know solid salaries and a comfortable life, when I went to her and said, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, which is quit my job mm-hmm. and go. Um, sure, we talked about it. Sure, we weighed the consequences. Sure, we prayed about it. But at the end of the day, she was like, we could spend the rest of our lives wondering what if you didn't and if God has placed these dreams and desires in your heart then I'm not going to be the one to stand in front of them and she made a lot of sacrifices for us to go yeah number one staying home and working now there was also the opportunity for her to stay home and finish grad school debt-free which was a huge part of all that decision as well Um, because I would have rather made the leap together and just taking her on the road, you know? Right. Like earlier on, she she was a big part of what I did musically. Okay. And so she gave a lot of that up too for Ascend the Hill to become a thing. And now she's for the first time really getting to enjoy some of the benefit of a lot of that hard work with Ascend the Hill, but, you know, with the music Amy and I have released together and written together and whatnot. So I definitely think who you marry or who you make your lifelong partner um, can be make or break on whether or not you get to do or run after everything you feel like you want to do or run after. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, she is the most wise, discerning person in my life, too. Like, as much as I'm a head-in-the-clouds visionary dreamer, mm-hmm. she is... She, she she blows my mind because she's able to see and dream with me. She's able to see that bigger picture, but then also she's down to earth and real, which yeah. most people would say I'm not a realist. <laughs> you know, like I, I stay in the clouds for the okay. most part, you know? Right. So she's a great compliment to what I do, and I'm a great compliment to who she is. But, man, I would not be who I am today if I didn't have as strong a woman as Amy in my life to not only believe in me as a dreamer, but also hold me accountable to bold statements. And then also like encourage me to run hard after those dreams. Mm. So it has made marriage harder. Um, but it has also made marriage that much better because I can't imagine the, the grumpy mess that either of us would be if we weren't in a relationship that encouraged each other to run hard after our dreams. And I think there's a lot of one-sidedness that can come from marriage, you know, Mm because it could be, well, there's the dude in the relationship who is the dreamer and always wanting to go and always wanting to try something new and always explore and always take risks. Or it could be just the wife or the woman in the relationship who you know, has the opportunity to dream and take risks. But I think part of marriage is compromise and part of doing life together is, is constantly being open and honest, honest and vulnerable and communicating well and being able to look and say at some point, okay, it's your turn. Like I'll try to be Mm. the sugar daddy. (laughs) I probably won't be as good at it as she would, Yeah, you know, but like this is the first time in my life. And it's funny that coffee has afforded it, but like this is the first time in my life as of the last couple of weeks that I've earned a solid living in 
in seven of the nine or ten years that we've been married, you know? That's crazy. We'll be married nine years this coming June, and for at least seven of those, up until the last couple weeks, I have either not been contributing to the bottom line Mm -hmm. or barely contributing to the bottom line of Joel and Amy Davis. Right. And that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. To be fair as well, for several of those years, it doesn't really make sense to us how we stayed afloat, period. Yeah. But that was also a cost that we counted launching Ascend the Hill, launching Commune and Co. In every endeavor that we've ever taken on, we've assessed the situation, evaluated the risk, and then taken a leap or not. Okay. But when we, when I went full-time to, to build Ascend the Hill, we looked at each other and we said, if it costs us our cars, if it costs us our house, if it costs us our material things, is this a worthwhile endeavor? Mm. Is this what God is actually calling us to do or asking of us? And in the case of Ascend the Hill and in the case of Commune and Co., the answer was yes both times. And, and she's amazing to deal with my my stuff. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I feel super fortunate to have her in my life. So can you know, dreams and goals and desires and all that stuff be fulfilled without um, a supportive wife? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or a supportive partner, you know, if it's vice versa. Right. Um, But I definitely feel super fortunate to have have ended up with Amy. Definitely. I think, so two things you said there that was really interesting to me in that, that I've never, one that I've never that I've never heard being um, saying that like okay I'm, I'm doing my thing or I have done this thing now it's your turn yeah like there's something you're passionate about because I feel like so many times it's all especially in a marriage it's always it's always a one-sided kind yeah. of thing it's usually one person that has the that has the dream of something and they do it and then the other person a lot of times maybe is just unfulfilled like they have everyone has dreams yeah. and things passions and all yeah. that kind of stuff but Maybe those things aren't necessarily something that, that person wants to go after, or it's mm-hmm. there's usually the dominant one in the relationship yeah. that that person's passions, whether it be the the man or woman or whatever relationship that that one or the other dominates. Yeah, which direction we're going to go yeah. or what passion is going to get fulfilled. Yeah. And I think it's I think we see that role changing too, even with you know the changing of culture and the day that we live in. Um, now, this is not just tooting my horn, but my wife has said to me a couple times, and I think it's the highest compliment she's ever given me, is that I'm her favorite feminist. Hmm. You know? Okay. Because it's never been, our relationship has never been about gender roles or, right. you know, I do this because that's what the man does. Yeah. You know, obviously she was the breadwinner for yeah. the well, majority of Yeah, well, I mean, especially our in our background, a yeah. religious background, yeah. like, some would say you're failing her as a husband oh, because yeah. you're not... Yeah, providing or right. being the breadwinner or doing that thing. and So, you know, like a lot of stuff is changing. But I also think, I mean, this is what marriage and relationship is about. You know, it's about ebbing and flowing and learning and growing together and being willing to compromise and being willing and intentional to pull the good out of each other. Right. You know, and I mean, there is so much that Amy is good at that. 
man, I'm just really bad at. And we make a good team. And mm-hmm. I think the more people realize the the potential in two being better than one. Right. You know, in a marriage, in a relationship, like the the possibilities are endless. But I mean, Amy would probably tell you that I've pushed her to pursue her dreams and her desires as much, if not more, even though mine may have been the flashier, you know, ascend the hill and touring and doing that thing. Sure. Um, I mean, I pushed Amy onto the stage the first time because she was too oh, timid to do it, you know? Okay. Um, I was, I was always the one pushing her to dream and go and do that thing. And whether it was at church or at college or even now with songwriting, like, the, the couple little EPs we put out have been written by the two of us, and those are the, the first songs she's ever written or been a part of writing. And that's like, they're good songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes she just takes that pushing too, like, yo, you can do this. You're really good at this. You give yourself some more credit and dream big and go for it, you know? That's, I think that's been a, a huge part of our marriage, just always encouraging each other to take risks and go for it. Yeah. In whatever it is. That's awesome. The other thing that I love you said earlier in that is uh, how you refer to these things that ultimately you're doing, like Commune and Co. Ascend the Hill, mm-hmm. um, that you refer to them in the context of, of we, the things that we're doing. Yeah. Even though it's your business and yeah. it was your dream and passion. But yeah. um, does, does she also, I mean, she's not here, so I can't ask her, yeah. but does she also see it in that context? Like, this is not just my husband's dream of passion but um i may not necessarily as a wife like i don't care about coffee it, yeah. whether she does or not but yeah. it, it 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 is us taking on this endeavor it's not just joel yeah. taking on this endeavor. for sure um yeah i think there are, are different levels in that like i think in a heartbeat she would agree that yes this is something we are taking on mm-hmm. because i couldn't do it without her whether yeah. behind the scenes or like in public and it's funny because commune and code unique because she doesn't even drink coffee like oh really i didn't even know that no she doesn't not only does she not like coffee like a funny story is when i was early on in in commune and code days you know i'm like and i still do it but like doing cuppings or tastings and I bring in coffee from all over the world because I want to taste it and I want to see what people are doing and I want to keep the quality up or whatever. Right. And so, you know, I'd be like, just take a sip, just take, just take a sip. She'd take a sip. And, and she used to poke at me. She'd just like throw out things that like she had heard us talk about, you know? And right. She'd, she'd be like, oh, it's citrusy and it's round and it's balanced and, you know, and oh, there's some earthy tones in this one. But she'd do it with a smirk on her face like, because I was right. forcing her to do it. Like, take a sip. Just tell me, like, what you taste. You know? Yeah. And so she's poking fun back. And one day she had enough because I just kept pushing. She's like, you want to know what I taste? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, dirt. Always <laughs> dirt. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's amazing. I couldn't do anything but laugh as crushing of, as a blow as it was, you know? Right. But it's just, I mean, like, she doesn't like coffee, you know? So let's, let's pause for a second. I understand. I love coffee. Mm-hmm. But I understand because I never taste anything but dirt yeah, yeah. also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I get that what we do is like, it's nerdy 
and it's niche yeah. and it's whatever you know and everyone has their their own little thing sure you know like when I go when we were in Portland last year and Amy wanted to get a new yoga mat like it was the most painstaking <laughs> endeavor of my life and I'm like it's a rubber mat that goes on the ground you know she's like no some of them have certain surfaces and different thicknesses and I don't want it too thin, but I don't want it too thick. I don't want it fluffy, but then I don't want to be slipping when I sweat and blah, blah, blah. You know, and like, wow. you know, like all these yeah. things. And then like, you know, the stuff we make fun of too, like yoga pants, you know, but like the difference between like different materials and right. things and whatever. And my wife's real, I mean, we're both kind of foodies. Mm-hmm. Like we love to eat. We spend probably the majority of our money um, on eating okay and drinking awesome things right <laughs> it's no surprise you know, <laughs> for me i don't know how she stays so small but it, <laughs> i wear it on my outside you know um but she uh like she's concerned about the ingredients of the stuff that we buy okay and she's concerned about you know where stuff is coming from and how it's processed and all that and i it's funny because i'm that way with coffee but I'm like, just just buy me the peanut butter Captain Crunch, you know? And she's like, no, it's full of garbage. Do you know what any of these words mean? Yeah. I'm like, no, but it tastes really good. Right, you know? exactly. And so she'll come home with like some organic, special, healthy alternative. Mm-hmm. And in my it's head, never as it, good. it's never as good. But the truth is, that's probably all in our heads. Oh, right, yeah. You know? But she's like caring for my life. She wants right. me to last a while, you right. know, which is nice. But it's just different strokes for different folks, you know? It's just like they say. But, like, she has her things. I have my things. Coffee does not happen to be her thing. Yeah. But I could not, would not have been able to launch Common & Co. without her being in it with me. Yeah. Because, I mean, everything from, like, details and administrative stuff and fine print and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my head stays in the clouds. Yeah. You know? So at the end of the night when Amy's like, well do you actually have a business license? You know? <laughs> or like, shouldn't you be paying taxes when you sell coffee? You know, or like yeah. normal, right. logical questions. I'm like, well, I guess. You know, and she stays up at night thinking about these things. Right. Because she doesn't want me to end up in jail. Right. Not because I don't want to do it, although I don't want to do it. That's, yeah. That's fair. But like, I'm like, oh, whatever, figure it out. You know, she probably doesn't me. want to have to pay your thousands of dollars in <laughs> yeah. tax bill when either. When I go to jail, and she's stuck with the bill, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's just no way we we make a good team all the way around. You yeah, know? Ascend the Hill could not have done what we did if Amy hadn't have been behind us, you know. And when it came time when she finished grad school and she started hitting the road with us. It was amazing. She enhanced what we did so much because we wouldn't get to a city that, oh, I wonder where we're sleeping tonight. You know, like those <laughs> details again, you know, or like. She actually booked a place to yeah, stay or, or a merch found table a place. wasn't a wreck, you know. It's right. like, you know, you guys, you guys have these really nice bins that you spent money on. You could like organize them by size and then when someone buys a shirt, they won't be waiting 10 minutes for you to find it, you know. Like, well, that's a good yeah. idea. Well, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's logical thinking. Right. You know? Right. Like, I mean, I could list thousands of ways that Amy has made all of these things possible, but she's a she's a great teammate, man. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. I think it's really important who you, obviously, it's really important who you 
choose to spend your life with. Yeah. Which, uh, quite honestly, I think fits into the, uh, I mean, the category of what we're talking about—a bully. I mean, it's a bold, it's a bold move. Oh yeah. To spend the rest of your life with someone else mm-hmm. and to make that choice and to make that commitment mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, uh, which takes a lot of risk as well because oh, yeah. you don't know. You don't right? know, and people are changing all of the mm. time. Yeah. You know, Amy and I dated for four years. We were engaged for a year. I knew right away. I wanted to marry her. Took me some convincing. Yeah. Her. So we dated for four huh. years. Sounds familiar. <laughs> we were engaged for a year, and now we've been married coming up on nine years. Thanks. It makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> we're not as awesome as we think we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've learned this yet. As uh, awesome yeah. as we think right. we are, you know, we look in the mirror and we are God's gift to mankind <laughs> or womankind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, there's another reality. Right, yeah. <laughs> they get reminded plenty yeah. about cool. that. <laughs> but in, what's that, four or five, 14 years, coming up on 14 years of being together, I don't know that we are the same. There's no way that we're the same people we were. Sure. No way, you know? So, like, there is so much risk in opening your heart and your life to someone and taking that risk to say for better for worse right. for richer for poorer for a little more poorer than richer mm-hmm. sickness and health all those things like those that's real deal you know like you've done a lot of weddings and yeah. I bet the weight of it has not escaped you no but like in coming up on 14 years like all of those statements have been reality Mm -hmm. you know and if i'm honest she has approached all of those truths which with much more grace than i have but in all of the changing and all of the growing and all of the learning i mean the risk has been far worth the reward and it is like a bold leap to say i'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person yeah it's so worth it, man. It's yeah. So worth it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you talk about the weight of that. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, with doing so many weddings, I always think about that. And I think, I think more of it now because of how many friends I have that have gone through divorce or... Yeah. Any, um, that, any that you did the weddings for? Uh, yeah. 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 And it doesn't... And I, you know, people ask me all the time with doing weddings, like... Well, what's your what's your uh, what's your percentage rate? Like, what's your win? You know, like how <laughs> yeah. how many of them are still together and all that? And I go, well, it's not up to me. Like, yeah. I don't have anything to do with them staying married yeah. or anything like that. I just stood uh, up here and looked pretty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think about the with those statements. Like, the vows are something that we've heard a thousand times, mm-hmm. a million times. Like they're. Um, traditional vows at least with those statements of like for richer for poor and all that kind of stuff um but i don't i don't know that people always understand the weight of that statement like it's easy obviously for richer for poor for mm-hmm. better for better for richer in health all those things are the easy things conversely i think it's just as easy to run away mm-hmm. when it's worse yeah sickness poor yeah I think in some cases, 
initially it feels like that's way easier, you know? Mm. And in most of the cases I've seen, you know, like Amy, and again, Amy can probably speak into this better because she actually does marital counseling and couples right. counseling. She's smarter than us anyway. Stuff. Yeah, she's, basically this podcast is about Amy being better at me, <laughs> better at life than me. So what I really should be talking, I should really be should talking really to be her talking to Amy right about now. the bold step she took to marry you. Yeah, like what were you thinking? <laughs> How much courage did that take? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, why coffee? Mm. Coffee for me started in a very like free love hippie kind of sense. I fell in love with the coffee shop okay. atmosphere and vibe before yeah. I fell in love with coffee. Okay. And I think it probably started for a lot of coffee mm-hmm. people. It probably yeah. started that way. Yeah. That's what I fell in love with. I remember walking into coffee shops growing up and just thinking like, man, life is happening in this place. I mean, you're more apt to sit across the coffee table from a complete stranger and get into conversation just because that's what happens in coffee shops, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like how many people have you met in coffee shops that are still friends? I bet if you thought about it, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And they've always been kind of a natural forum for conversation and activation and music and life and community. And I fell in love with that. My dream for a long time has been to own a coffee shop. Okay. And we're obviously moving quickly down that path. Um, So for me, it started with the love of the coffee shop atmosphere. When we started touring and playing music and going to big cities and other countries, we had the opportunity to meet serious coffee people, Mm -hmm. friends from other bands. For some reason, it seems like music and the coffee world kind of go hand in hand and a lot of people hang up music to go into coffee. Right. It's kind of a funny thing. But like, well... A lot of musicians are baristas. Yeah. And I think a part of that is that same kind of community and culture that coffee shops breed are creative type people. And I get a lot of creative expression out of, um, you know what I do with coffee, whether you're talking like latte art or brewing or the creative, like artistic side of things, whatever. Right. Um, but also coffee shops seem to be more willing to employ people who are gone a lot because they believe in those kinds of people, you know? Right. So like, so we started touring and visiting some of the best coffee bars and roasters and shops like, across the world and it's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. like sooner or later you wake up one day and you realize that you've invested hundreds maybe thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. into home brewing equipment (laughs) and you only buy a certain tier of coffee and you talk crap on the other tiers of coffee Right. And you've turned into a snob. You've turned into a monster. Mm-hmm. And it happens really quick. And then you repent. And then you apologize to your family for scoffing at their horrible coffee. <laughs> and then you figure out how to make a life of it. 
you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and then you remember why you fell in love with coffee. It wasn't because of those beans. It was because of the people. Right. And so Commune & Co. for me, as much as I am a coffee nerd, as much as I am a snob on a lot of levels, as much as I am a connoisseur, I, I am a people person. I love people. And for me, the opportunity that a cup of coffee provides to bring people together is unparalleled. It's like going to your favorite bar. You know, it's like your cheers. It's right. Like your daytime cheers. Right. Um, I, I consider myself a daytime bartender, you know? And right. I love that because I still have a nightlife. I can still go out with my wife and do things and right. whatever, you know? But <clears throat> as much as I love coffee, I love people. And Commune & Co., obviously Commune, speaks mm-hmm. to community. And my my goal has always been and will always be to create space and opportunity for community to happen naturally. And I love how coffee creates that kind of space and opportunity. Now, the the connoisseur in me would not allow me to take that dream and ruin it with bad coffee. Like okay. one of my pet peeves coming out of that religious background that we have, coming out of the Christian world, whether it's music or art or entertainment or food or drink or coffee, my pet peeve is bad art in the name of God. Mm. Or bad art or product in the name of a good cause even. Yeah. Like one of the most frustrating things in the world to me coming back to coffee is, you know, like the coffee charities. Um, Okay. Do I believe in creating good water? Yes. Do I believe in creating sustainable living for farmers in third world countries? Yes. Do I believe in changing a poor economy's financial structure by, you know, investing the best of who we are into those cultures. Yes. Um, is that an excuse to offer a subpar product? Hell no. And that mm-hmm. drives me insane. So in my mind, because you are tying yourself to a bigger picture, because you are investing yourself into stories that are bigger than you, it should give you more weight and responsibility to honor that process and those lives and those stories and those people with an excellent, superb, superior quality product. So in my world, it's been music and not that I think we're the greatest band ever, but like we didn't want to just be your mom's Christian worship band, you know, and we didn't Mm -hmm. set out to be different, but we set out to be honest and genuine with the expression of who we were. Yeah. It didn't have to sound like church music because it was going to be sung in church. Right. It felt like a cop out to us. And if we were going to do the thing, it was going to be genuine and real <clears throat> expression of who we were. Right. <clears throat> For coffee, I believe in community. I love in I believe in bringing people together. I think life is best enjoyed when shared with people, opportunities, moments, meals, all of that stuff. And why not give it your best? Why not serve the best cup of coffee you can imagine? Yeah. You know? And I think that's the philosophy behind 
most growing cultures these days. People want to know what they're consuming. People want to know what goes into their cocktail. People want to know where their hops came from in their beer. People want to know, you know, like the farm to table, like food movement. Right. People want to know like that their food came from a local, like sustainably sourced, you know, farm. They want to know that they're making a difference with their hard earned money and they're willing to spend it if they know what they're getting themselves into and why it should be the same way with coffee to me. So it costs us a lot more money, to be honest, to work with the the top tier roasters that we do from around the country. Right. Our commitment to that is number one, we're going to get better tasting coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more than that is that we're seeking out roasters and relationships and companies who believe in the same kinds of things that we do. It's like Ruby Coffee out of Wisconsin. We get to bring in coffees from Colombia and Guatemala and El Salvador that Jared from Ruby has been investing seven, eight, nine years worth of relationship into the direct trade process and helping those farmers develop better processes and helping those farmers develop better resources and helping those farmers... um, grow and create a better product that then gives so if you have a farmer who's put the best of who he is into growing and harvesting this wonderful coffee Mm -hmm. then the processor is going to want to honor that story as well well if they put their heart and soul into to growing the best coffee possible then i'm going to process it the best i can yeah and then we're going to get it to market as quick as possible you know we're not going to sit on it and let right. it grow mold and do all that stuff like we're going to take care of the coffee right and then it gets to the roaster and they're not just going to turn it black you know they're going to develop roast profiles that honor those stories that mm-hmm. bring out the nuance and sweetness and character of the coffees like terroir with wine like wh- where was it grown how was it harvested what was the mm-hmm. type of soil what altitude what was the rainfall was it grown in the shade was it on sunny side of the mountain was it down in the valley you know like right all of that stuff affects the flavor of coffee and here we go getting super nerdy about coffee right all of that stuff affects the flavor of coffee if it's roasted well and then brewed properly right so this roaster is going to take a painstakingly wonderful amount of time to develop a roast profile that highlights what makes that coffee exciting right and I'm going to pay top dollar for that coffee because it's going to be some of the best coffee in the world. And that's not tooting my horn. Like, good people put their lives into creating this wonderful coffee. Right. And then my job is not to screw it up and bring it. Because <laughs> right. all of that awesome stuff could happen. I could just, you know, crush some beans and throw it in some warm water. And then all you know is that this wonderful coffee, that story is never told. You're just right. like, damn, that was kind of a subpar cup of coffee. Right. You know? And so you take all that, and if you do it in the name of charity or ministry or all that kind of stuff, man, that's where my blood starts to boil. Yeah. Like, if you're going to spend your life on it and you're going to get people's hard earned money and you want to make a difference, then do something really well. Make a damn difference, you know? Yeah. Like, and charge top dollar for it. You don't want to give it away. Like, no, I don't think anyone's too concerned with just like looking for a handout, you know? Like, right. It's being responsible with what we do with our resources, mm-hmm. you know? So if we want to talk about our background and spirituality, like, we want to steward our resources well. Right. That's all, like, 
I don't want to get to the end of this thing and be like, ah, I sure half-assed that for 65 <laughs> years, you know? Hopefully longer than that, you know? Yeah. Man, I really gave that a mediocre run. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> squeaked by. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Uh, what you said earlier about, you know, bad art in the name of a good cause. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a great point that I've never... I've thought that before, but never in those terms. Like, I've never been able to put it in those words, which I think is a great statement to put it in. Um, but that's a frustration for me, too. Of Because to me, it's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. Like, why not do it the best you can do it? Yep. All, the, all the reasons that you would argue why, against why not do it the best, to me, are cop-outs. Yes. Like, well, it costs too much money, and we're trying to do charity. Well, yeah. but that thing that you're trying to change, is it not worth the effort and the cost yeah. To make that happen. Yeah. Like I, I think when people make decisions about, um, like in my world of working in nonprofit stuff, I feel like a lot of people make decisions based off of, based on it being about them, not about the people they're helping. Yeah. So, for example, well, should we? Yes, this thing is a good idea that could help people, but it costs more money than we can raise, or whatever the mm-hmm. case is, or that we've ever raised before. And all the risks that it's going to take to do that, is it the right thing for us to do? And to me, I'm like, we're well, asking the question from of about being about you, not about the people you're helping. Because yeah. I feel like if it's the if if the people you're helping, if that's <laughs> if that's the goal, then the question should be: Is this the thing? Is this the right thing for us to do for these people? Yes. Yes. Was it cost? Does it matter? Mm-hmm. Because that the people are what's most important about it. Mm-hmm. So let's make it the best or yeah. do the best we can with it. And at the end of the day, like you have to reconcile, you know, that commitment to a bottom line. Sure. Yeah. But it just means you have to measure what you're giving yourself to, you know, you have to measure your ability to say yes. And that's probably been the hardest thing over the stretch of my life is saying yes too much. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if it's not good for me, then it's not good for whoever I'm trying to help either. Sure. If I just burn myself out all the time and yeah. exhaust every financial resource I have and I can't sustain a living myself, then at some point I am not able to give anything to right. anyone. I'm not able to give or extend any resource to use for anyone. Yeah. You know, like my – I joke about it all the time. I say this to Amy and I say it to friends, but I – it is like I I want to figure out what I got to do in life to just give coffee away the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah, like I would rather I would rather see what power that kind of generosity has. Right, but that takes money, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, I say yes a lot, pretty much, and I hope there's not like a million nonprofits listening to this thing because <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go broke. But to date, I've never said no to someone who's reached out like, yeah, we have this charity event going on. We're trying to raise money for this. Right. Do you want to be involved? Yes. Always yes. Yeah. You know? And Mm -hmm. sometimes I've paid more of a price than I should. Yeah. I've like taxed myself and my company more than I should. But I got into this thing to build community and make a difference. Right. So put your money where your mouth is and do it. Yeah. You know? But, but if I give away all of my coffee to help someone else and tomorrow I have no money to buy coffee to keep moving forward, then 
cool. It's yeah. not good for anyone right. at this exactly. point. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously there's a balance. balance to yeah, all balance of that, I think is like, definitely the key for sure. It is always so you measure you take a hard look, you measure the risk, and then take a leap. Right. Do it. Yeah. You know? Like and I have found even in my biggest moments of failure, I had more joy in my life. <clears throat> yeah, well, because you took the leap. Yeah. Like that's I feel like the <laughs> risk, measuring the risk, which is definitely important. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where that's where people get stopped, yeah. or they stop themselves. Like it's, I can't take the rib. Too afraid to take that, yeah. take that risk. Yeah. And one uh, another podcast interview we did, uh, Jeremy uh, Martin, who's a buddy of mine, starting a church in Las Vegas. He made a great statement that that uh, fear fear is the silent the silent uh, decision maker. Mm. That, like, that's you measure that risk, but the fear of that risk, and so it makes the decision for you, and so yeah. you don't take the leap, like you said. Yeah. Like, you're gonna get me stirred up now. I'd say, so as a pastor, mm-hmm. I'd say, I don't wanna, I'm always inflating numbers as a pastor. I'm always sure, well, of numbers. course, yeah, church numbers. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom used to call it evangelistic, yes. <laughs> Speaking of my father, <laughs> but I realize all the time because my wife calls me out on it that I have become my father. In the yeah. Day. So just to explain to the, the church numbers thing as a pastor is funny because like how many people were at church today and the real account number being like, you know, 610 or whatever yeah. it is like, well, so it was a thousand, probably a thousand yeah, people had, there. Like, a thousand, we had a thousand people. people. The room, so you probably missed some people. Yeah. Easily, standing room only. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which. Is 610 people something to be ashamed of? Right, exactly. No. Right. But right. for some reason in our heads, we got we yeah. to help God out. We round out. up. Yeah, we got to help God out with our numbers. <laughs> Make him look better. <laughs> he needs our help in that. Yeah, it's probably like the issue with Christianity is we're always trying to make God look better. <laughs> right. That's the next oh, podcast. Oh, man, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> what were we talking about? Fear. You're going to get me stirred up. So yeah. I would say a good to be conservative a good 40 to 50% of what I talk about as a pastor is fear. Mm. What would a life free of fear look like? Yeah. And as many risks as I've taken with, with my life, as many leaps off of cliffs that I've taken with my life, like I have not figured out how to decide and live and operate free from fear. Mm-hmm. And they can as if you didn't know Big that was going to happen. Um, I think I tweeted it maybe a month or so ago. But like, man, if fear were a person, uh, like the things I would do. Yeah. You know, but I think I tweeted it like a month ago or something. It's pretty funny. I was like, I want to throat punch fear. And rip all of its teeth out so it can't continue to sink them into the hearts of my friends. Mm. Like, the amount of people in my life that I just see totally gripped and paralyzed by fear. Mm. In relationships, in business, in ministry, in I don't care. Like, in so many avenues, in so many areas. I just want to, like, break that that grip, that bondage off people, you know? Mm-hmm. Because 
I feel like what the world needs more than anything is people who are fully, passionately, fearlessly who they are. Mm. Like, the most yeah. effective people I know are the ones who are just boldly, unashamedly, fearlessly who they are. Yeah. And for better or for worse, they have the biggest impact on yeah. the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're, why are we talking about Donald Trump right now? Why is the media talking about Donald Trump right now? Yeah. Like, at the risk of offending some of your listeners, he's a moron, you uh-huh. know? But he is unashamedly a moron. Yeah. He says what he wants. He does right. what he wants. Right. And he... <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about Donald Trump right now. <laughs> you know? And, and there are probably... <laughs> A lot worse examples and a lot better examples of people who are just living fearlessly. But man, fear. <clears throat> I stay up at night thinking about like how I can loose that grip off of my friends' lives. Yeah. And my life. You know? Yeah. Um, but let me ask you this. So with fear, and I agree with all of that, but is fear not a necessity? And on some level, because I feel like there's a difference between facing fear and being being gripped or crippled by that yeah. fear. Yeah, sure. I mean that that argument can probably be made. And can fear be a necessity? I don't know. Maybe it is necessary. Maybe it's a part of life to. To see and experience and feel fear and yeah. then learn how to wrestle with it and overcome it. So, yes. Yeah. I'm just... Yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Because, you know, people say all the time, like, when it comes to faith, there's a lot of people that would say, well, you, like, doubt... Ha- you can't have doubt if you're going to have faith. Others would say, you have to have doubt yeah, yeah. for faith to, to be true yeah, yeah. and pure. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious how how people are so sure of everything. Yeah. Like the older I get, and I'm still fairly young, the older I get, the less sure I am of mm-hmm. most things. Yeah. So like I think about those kind of, and this isn't out of left field, because I think about those kind of statements, you know, those ends of the spectrum you right. just mentioned. Like you can't have faith in experienced doubt yeah and then the other end of the spectrum you got someone saying well you you can't have faith without doubt right and I think how can either of those people be so sure about either of those things (laughs) (laughs) you know that's a great point (laughs) I'm like man to have that kind of surety yeah is that a word yeah I don't know if it's used correctly, but yeah, that's a word. You're going to get to your next podcast and someone's going to be like, since you had George W. Bush on your last podcast, (laughs) (laughs) making up words. (laughs) I'm okay with made up words. I like making up words. Um, But yeah, I I mean, you know, fear and, and courage and I don't even know, what's the opposite of fear? Would it be courage? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, you probably can't have one without the other, the more I think about it. But it doesn't make me hate it any less. Right. 
You're not helping me here, Jason. No, listen, I, I agree. I, <laughs> I still want to throat punch it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Well, and I, but like I said, I think there, that's that point of crippling when, yeah. when, when your life becomes gripped by it. Yeah. And you're immobilized. Right. Paralyzed by that fear. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. Because in every, I think in every risk taking, I mean, with every, <laughs> everything you did, like with a sit in the hill, what you're doing with Communico, mm-hmm. um, you know, mainstay, like there, all of those things, none of those things are absolutes, no, so to speak, you know, and, and there's, when there is no absolute, there's fear that comes with no absolute, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I think it's that manageable, uh, you know, I'm going to push that out of the way anyway. Or yeah, gonna... and I'd like to say that I'm the most courageous person, you know, to take mm-hmm. those risks. But the truth is, if I didn't have, like, a solid community behind me, being like, yeah, go for it, dude. I don't know if I could. Yeah. And and I, part of it's, like, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've mm-hmm. taken a lot of risks and failed. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm probably going to do it a lot more. I think you know, genetically, whatever, how you're raised, mm-hmm. culturally, I think that all plays into how willing you are to take a risk. Yeah. I and mean, I honestly just, I don't know that I, I was raised any to know any better. Mm. You know? Like, if I felt like it was something that... I, I can't attribute it to just, like, me being so courageous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm afraid of what happens tomorrow with Communico. Yeah. You know, I've made a lot of big decisions in the last month that could crush and bury this company, this baby of mine. Right. Or it could just like catapult us into like all of those dreams coming true. Yeah. And I am super nervous about it. Mm-hmm. I am afraid of what the future looks like and that's just me being brutally honest yeah but like I could not sleep at night knowing the opportunities that I had had I not taken them Mm. if I had not taken the leap if I had not looked at that fear evaluated the consequence and then taken the leap I don't think I could look at myself the same in the mirror today. Yeah. I also don't think my wife, I don't think she'd think any less of me. Mm-hmm. But she'd look at me and be like, really? Mm. That's, that's how you're going to do this right now? Yeah. You know? And my community, like, I just, it's never been who I am. You know? Maybe I yeah. could use a little more caution mm. or calculated decision. Yeah. I mean, it's all calculated, but sure. I don't know. So I don't hold, I don't hold it against people who have a harder time taking that leap. Sure. But sometimes I do want to grab my friends by the shoulders and just shake them and look them in the eyes and say, "Yo, take a leap." Yeah. It's time. Yeah. Like, take a leap. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome, and what and you said it earlier too. Just to reiterate that, your wife has encouraged you or pushed you and helped you make take those leaps as well, yeah. which is community. Mm-hmm. Which 
you know, all of these things you're talking about, I think the theme of it being that community thing. And when it comes to fear, I mean, just like, that's why, that's part of why I want to do this <coughs> podcast because I, that's a, that's something I'm fascinated by. Mm-hmm. What motivates people to, to take that leap or yeah. what holds them back or why, you know, what can, if I can, if there's anything that I can do with this podcast, just like you said, if in some small way with it, help punch fear in the throat mm-hmm. for people that are listening that because we all have passions we all have things we want to do but we hold back we don't do them we've been told we can't do them or whatever um if this helps yeah push that along a little bit more to for them to take the leap mm-hmm. um great yeah. like that's that's the goal and so hey Speaking of your wife, there she is. She just walked in. Speaking of the devil. Um, So, yeah, we're going to wrap it up in just a second. But just to finish, kind of finish it out, one thing I wanted to, um, in that theme of boldly going and taking taking that leap, do you feel like that's something that everyone potentially can do in some way to, to boldly go after their passion? Yeah, I would like to say yes, but I'm learning a lot of things about the cultures that we have the opportunity to be born into mm-hmm. and the kind of opportunity those settings afford us. Mm-hmm. And I think about the stuff we see on the news every day and I think about places I've been able to visit poverty and racism and the simple fact of the matter is not everyone in the world is afforded the same opportunity that we have been by simply being born into the life that we were born into right I don't know how to reconcile that with I don't know how to I don't know what being born into a different culture than I was or setting that I was if I would have the same opportunities to risk and dream big and run after it right or if I would feel the encouragement or the nurturing to do that mm-hmm. so I want to say you know the the like optimist and the good guy in me wants to be like yes everyone has the opportunity to run and dream and and go and take those risks and you know but there's a a lot of people out there who are weighing a lot heavier things than I am mm mhm you know like if i decide to buy this grinder tomorrow you know mhm what does that affect the following week for yeah. me like? Right. You know? Right. Maybe I have to buy less coffee or maybe we don't get to go out as often as we do. Right. Or, you know, like in re- in the real world, what what are the consequences if this thing fails? Right. At the end of the day, I have a support system and a structure that's not going to let me end up on the streets. But someone who hasn't come from the kind of privilege that I have might say, if I take this risk and I fail, 
got nothing. Yeah. I've got no support structure. You know, I've got no safety net. And this could be the end of me. I can't even begin to imagine that kind of fear. Yeah. Or that kind of risk. Right. You know? So on one hand, I want to be like, yeah, everyone has that opportunity. But the truth is, like, I don't know what risk for everyone looks like. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's a new thought for me. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great point. It's a very new thought for me. Yeah. I'll probably be wrestling with that for quite a while. Maybe we should have a part two on this. Yeah, we probably should. Because it's kind of messing with me right now. <laughs> All right, well, I'll let that <laughs> sit with you for a while, for sure. Um, so just to wrap it up, because um, we're, we're at an hour. We've been talking for an hour. Wow. Um, two, uh, two things. One, there's... I'm going to come to this, and there's a, there's a way that we, uh, I like to end with encouragement to people listening. Um, but anything that, you want to, anything that you want to push, that you want to promote for Joel Davis, what you're doing, where, is there a website that you want people to look at to go to, to go buy your coffee, to listen to your music or whatever? Yeah. Um, Commune and Co., <coughs> <clears throat> the website is communeandco.com. Um, I live life pretty loudly on the social networks. Um, so if you look those up, you can. it's all kind of linked together and whatnot. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to use a platform that I feel like has been entrusted, me, entrusted to me for better things than maybe I've used them in the past. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one thing that's really making me tick right now is uh, an organization, a local organization called Crisis Center of Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to to make them the most popular thing in the world. It's making my head spin right now. And yeah. I don't think they know that. Yeah. But I want people to go to crisiscenter.com and figure out how to let the world know they exist. And then the second thing that I want to push is Be Home Base. Yeah. A, a non-profit that I've been yeah, fortunate and I wanted to, to help launch with some ask folks you about that. Yeah. here in Tampa. Um, there's a huge, huge, huge problem in Hillsborough County that we where we live and all over the country. Um, and it's the need for traditional family homes, foster homes for teens in a system of care. Right now in our county, there's zero beds. If a teen is removed from his home today, which happens every day mm-hmm. he has no place she has no place to go um, except for a group home I mean it's so bad in Hillsborough County that people have been getting in trouble in the system for putting kids in hotel rooms and <laughs> putting oh them gosh. up for the night in offices and just doing what they can to meet the needs with whatever they have and they've been getting in trouble for it um, I mean it's the worst it has ever been this need right now so we launched Be Home Base to raise awareness for the critical need of loving and safe homes for teens in the system of care. Awesome. Any marketing or anything that's happening right now on behalf of the foster care system is just general. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of homes for um, young children. Like mm-hmm. if a baby or a, or a young child comes into the system, he has a bed to go to tonight. And the truth is, as awesome as group homes are and as wonderful as those people are for investing their lives into that scenario... 
teens are just way more vulnerable to a lot of horrible things. The worst of, worst of that being sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, when they are placed in a traditional family unit and there's an emotional connection to an adult, a consistent, I believe the language of love is consistency. Mm-hmm. There's consistent connection for a teen who's been ripped out of their only sense of normalcy, as horrible as it may have been. Um, the risk of them going off the deep end is way less when they're in that traditional family home. Yeah. So we're trying to raise awareness of that need and get families willing to take in teens. So that's behomebase.org. I want people to go to those things more than I want them to buy coffee, although they can trust if they buy coffee that I'm spending that money on things like Crisis Center and Be Home Base. And awesome. CrisisCenter.com, BeHomeBase.org. Yeah. And then they can follow you on the on the social medias. Yeah. Joel Davis, Communico. Awesome. Um, thanks for the chat. Yeah. And those of you listening, thanks for listening. My, uh, my end to podcasts is just to put the question to you, what can you do this week to in some way boldly go in whatever, in whatever aspect you can do? If it's a small decision you need to make, as Joel would say, punching fear in the throat. Like, what is what can you do this week um, to move and take action and do something bold uh, to move forward and make your life better and make the world a better place? So that's what that's what it's about. So thanks for listening, Joel. Thanks, you're awesome. Hey Amen. Thanks for having me, Amy. Thanks for letting us take over your house for a little bit. <laughs> you're welcome. She's not listening. <laughs> Everybody's done! <laughs> <laughs> Friends through eternity.